everybody and welcome back to the Portsmouth Running Podcast. This is episode 14. As always, I am your solo host, Daniel Del Piccolo. And we'd just like to extend an even warmer welcome to any guests who may be listening for the first time. Welcome to the show. So before I get into the thick of it and we go into the interview, uh, just a quick few shout outs. Firstly, to the Portsmouth-based band Belligerence for letting us use uh, one of their tunes, one of their songs for the intro music for this podcast. Uh, the song just keeps growing on me more and more each time I listen to it. It's a, it's a really cracking tune. In fact, it's a, it's a great tune to run to, uh, full of energy and uh, yeah, really gets you going. I'd also like to give an, a shout out to the teams over at Alton Sports. Uh, Alton Sports is a, a retailer selling all sorts of uh, running related um, apparel, kits, packs, shoes. Uh, they're all really, really well stocked. In fact, I call the the, uh, the shop over in Eastleigh that I use the Aladdin's Cave of the running world because there's just always so much stuff to look look at and kind of browse when you're in store. They make really good use of the space. Uh, so yeah, shout out to the teams at, uh, at Alton Sports. And lastly, uh, a quick shout out to the team at runner.co.uk. Uh, runner, for those of you who don't know, in fact, it would probably be safe to say that most runners are aware of them now because their clothing uh, and their hats and their, their race gear and stuff is all over the place now. Uh, runner, which is um, R-U-N-R, uh, you'll find lots and lots of runners wearing their hoodies and their race caps uh, and their, even their race kits and stuff now. Um, they have started a series of virtual races, I think I could, it's safe to, safe to describe them like that, which is supporting the MIND charity. And in fact, the virtual races are called Miles for MIND. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about it for now. But if you want to go and check out and support this this great cause, please go over to their website, which is runner.co.uk, uh, and click the little hamburger icon on your phone or browser and select the Miles for Mind page. And all the details are on there. But effectively, you can, you can enter a virtual race, um, sign up, uh, donate some money, and all the profits go to Miles for Mind. And I also believe that um, Runner also donate 10% of their profits uh, to the charity as well. So yeah, really good cause. And just wanted to give a shout out to all those people. Thanks very much. And onwards we go with the show. It's kind of become tradition for me in the introduction, just to give a quick update about what I've been up to with my training. And obviously on the last show, uh, along with everyone else, races have been cancelled. So my training block has effectively just gone straight back to to the initial phases of, of base training that I would do before one of my long distance runs. So I'm focusing a little bit more on speed work, um, just getting just getting the miles on the leg and not doing anything too crazy at the moment because obviously being sensible with the lockdown, uh, you know, things are difficult and it's it's been extremely difficult to kind of get up to the South Downs, which is not allowed anymore. So just keeping the running local in Portsmouth. I'm enjoying the seafront. Uh, I'm seeing quite a few runners out at lunchtime, everyone getting their ex- their daily exercise done. Um, it's been quite nice. I don't get bored of it at all. I think it's great, you know, as long as I'm out running next to the seaside, the sun shines out, it's just, you know, there's, there's, there's no better thing to do really. So, you know, I, I, I could run the same route every day for a year. I wouldn't get bored uh, as long as I'm moving and just outdoors and, and enjoying the fresh air and keeping fit, um, which is what it's all about at the moment. And yeah, like I say, keeping keeping the runs close to home. Saying that, uh, last week, Sunday, I did decide to do um, a slightly longer run, kind of like a backyard uh, challenge as well, which was to run a marathon around the Highland Road Cemetery, which backs onto my back garden. So effectively, I guess it was an extended back garden run, 
Um, it was a very quiet run, there was not many people out, uh, and in the cemetery there's quite a few pathways you can take and stuff, so it was just a case of putting the head down, focusing on the uh, on the task ahead and just, you know, worrying about each step forward. Uh, it was quite a bit of a, a challenge for the mind, um, but I took something away from that as well because in a lot of the long distance runs I do, whether it's along a canal or the Thames path, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of the same scenery over and over and over, so I figured going around a cemetery uh, along the same path for a marathon would be good training. You know, you can you can take something out of it and uh, kind of help train the mind a little bit for those for that kind of like repetitive um, stuff that you're gonna you know the repetitiveness of seeing the same thing over and over and over. So took something something good away from it and yeah another good training session. I've seen so many people doing some amazing things. Uh, I've got a friend of mine, uh, John Cosgrove, who's doing a, a backyard marathon. Uh, for charity um, tomorrow or this weekend, this uh, Easter Easter weekend, uh, which is going to be pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to following that. And I've seen crazy people doing marathons on balconies, uh, marathons up and down their driveways, and it's been quite interesting seeing those Strava traces, where uh, you know you kind of you look at the map afterwards, and it's just this bright, thick orange line. Um, unfortunately, my own trace in the cemetery didn't draw because it was so close to home. Uh, and with the Strava privacy settings, it didn't actually end up drawing a map. So, um, but I do have a picture of it because uh, it, it drew one for me. And uh, yeah, I think one I'll, one I'll keep for a little while. Okay, so on to this week's guest. And I was very, very pleased um, that Alex Tooten uh, agreed to come onto the Portsmouth Running Podcast and tell us all about his running story. Uh, really interesting. I'm not going to give any details away here because there's lots of it in, in the interview itself. Um, but those of you who run in Portsmouth would, would know Alex. He is the, the course record holder at South Sea Park Run. He's known for his speed. Uh, he's, he's often a talking point uh, in the running circles in Portsmouth because people obviously see him kind of fly by in his training runs all the time. And, and Alex is a really friendly, friendly guy. You know, he's come over to Eastney Junior Park Run uh, and he's kind of volunteered there and come to kind of show the, the children his medals and his Team GB uh, outfit which he got uh, got a couple of years ago um, so yeah really interesting interview and I hope you enjoy uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, doing the interview and kind of finding all about finding out all about Alex's uh, running background and stuff it was very very enlightening um, so uh, without further ado uh, enjoy the show enjoy the interview please look after yourselves take care be sensible and as always happy miles Alex Tooten thanks so much for taking the time to join me on this rather blue skied sunny day uh, on on Good Friday, um, I really appreciate you taking the time and welcome to the Portsmouth Running Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be on. It's been it's uh, I, I've heard about it for a while, so it's um, I'm pleased that it's come around. <laughs> yeah, it was just like you know it was, it was a nice little project that I put together because like we were talking about earlier, the the running community down in Portsmouth just is is really really big. There's so many clubs and. And obviously, South Sea Park Run draws a big crowd, and there's park runs in the air, in the immediate area and stuff. And everyone seems to kind of know each other in the area, and, and especially with someone like yourself, you know, you're you're a kind of high-profile runner. People know your name, people follow you on Strava, um, and and you know you're often spoken about in the running circles. You know, Alex, Alex Tooten's really fast and stuff. And I know, it, you know, speed doesn't define one person, but but when you when you run to the level you do, and, and you're a you're a local runner, it's um you know it's it's an interest point. So yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Yeah, no, very welcome. What would you have been uh, been doing otherwise on this uh, on this nice sunny day? 
Um, well, as I say, with the um, with the social isolation in place, I mean, I will be going for a run at some point today. Um, it's a bit rare because I know a lot of people don't always run on Fridays. That's normally a rest day for many people. But um, obviously, now that we're only doing one run a day, it's um, yeah. you feel like it's okay to sort of include that if you're just doing single days because otherwise you're going to struggle to make up the distance, really. But but other than that, um, I mean, other than that, outside of the running, I'm writing up my um, thesis, which I'm hoping to submit in June, July. Uh, before I before I get kicked out into the real world to do for work. Ah, good stuff, good stuff. So, so it's kind of almost like you know incentive to stay indoors and and get you know get the work done. Yeah, if anything, there's 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 fewer there's far fewer for, um, distractions now than there, there certainly mm. were a few months ago. So obviously, it's the less the, the fewer things that can distract me from doing now, the better, really. So I mean, it, do, it definitely has helped my productivity. But yeah, it's quite easy to get bored at the moment, really. So it's need to come up with the creative things to do to keep yourself occupied <laughs> for sure like well like i've been saying saying to people there's there's so many like you know for example like running podcasts and, and various other podcasts out there do you, do you listen to any any of the other kind of running yeah, podcasts or, or anything else i i saw lucy follow this one of course um the um steve scullion has quite uh, a good, sorry which one uh steven scullion he's a uh, he's an irish elite runner he uh, he recently ran the olympic qualifying standard for marathon very very good athlete um he's oh, quite, okay quite well known on the um on the tour and there's another chap called um uh, ross i forget his name he's uh he does a running podcast as well uh, okay yeah there's so quite there, a few out there isn't it it's, um, there's quite, quite a few good, yeah. yeah so um i mean yeah. I, 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 i'm not a big the biggest lover of podcasts and things but yeah as i say when when people sort of record there's there's a particularly um a particularly popular one then i'll then i'll go and have a listen to that then oh, yeah yeah for sure for sure so so how, how um how are you managing your training like during the lockdown phase and stuff i mean obviously we're all restricted to one run uh, a day and stuff but uh how has it affected your training um well as, as i as i sort of as, as it's all been fairly well known i had quite a lot of um work stress uh, at the start of the year which sort of which meant that i really needed to cut back i mean that was that was coinciding with me just finishing the, the end of my phd and applying for jobs and things and things got a little bit of out of hand so i've I'm in the fortunate position that I sort of stepped stepped back a little bit just so just to not just so I couldn't overwork myself. Um, and then obviously with the coronavirus, now that there's very few races happening, um, I think everyone's trot training's been quite dramatically altered really. So no one's really sort of pushing sort of pushing the limits of themselves to, to, in order to try and peak because no one really knows when the next race is going to be. So in that respect, training is quite simple really. You're just sort of doing what mo- I think most people most athletes in this position are just doing sort of base phase of running really where they you know they'll maybe do two sessions a week some tempo lots keep the long runs in where they can and just keep yeah. general, generally high mileage but there's no there's not there's not particular i mean as you say there's sort of i suppose you consider it bells and whistles but people aren't really putting doing putting in the bells and whistles into their training at the moment to try and peak because there's because people don't know when that's going to be and it's hard to sustain that so in that respect is quite simple and I think I'm following a fairly similar structure to most people and I'm just doing yeah. two sessions a week uh, Tuesday Saturday sort of a tempo session maybe, maybe some marathon pace um, a longish run on the Sunday um, and then just obviously doing single runs rather than d- doubles so obviously the runs are sort of generally speaking eight nine ten miles rather than two but two six miles for example yeah okay right so, so so it's managing it fairly well and i guess like like you said with the pressures you had earlier in the year and stuff it might be almost i mean it's not i would i hate to say like come at the right time but maybe you just 
you know, it maybe extended that that base training for yourself yeah, as well. So you it, can just it was know. a blessing in disguise, really. Exactly having those, mm-hmm. having that sort of um, it sort of gave me a bit of time to reflect. And with my thesis, trying to trying to finish that off, obviously, the more time I can dedicate to that, the better, really. And um, and yeah, obviously, being able to it's, you don't you never really want these things, but you're you'd rather have them when you're sort of younger and sort of better equipped to deal with them in a, and in a better place to sort of um, yeah to do those. And obviously, being at home now. A lot of the things I learned about when I was trying to get better, things like sort of mindfulness and sort of um, med- sort of some meditation and things, stress relievers and things, um, I've been able to employ, and it's and obviously having a bit more time to do those has been really beneficial. So yeah, that's um, I was I was quite lucky in that respect. But as you say, these yeah. these sorts of this, these sorts of conditions can affect anyone at any time. Um, Absolutely, you have to be sort of mindful of them and try and do what you can to try and. Um, sort of find ways of relieving stress and sort of identifying when when things are getting a bit out of hand yeah good no good well, I'm, I'm glad things are on the up for you and stuff yeah and, uh, no, I, was, I was going to ask um you, you're obviously uh, you're finishing university right now then yeah yes that's right okay um what course are you doing out of interest uh so i do a phd in chemistry okay right. uh, yeah so i did my undergraduate in chemistry and medicinal science so that was four years that was a four-year course finished in um 2016 with a brief six-month placement in Oxford area and then I stayed on to do a PhD in electrosynthesis uh, it was a really it was a really exciting um, thing at the time for me it was a really good project and I saw so I sort of um, okay. jumped, jumped into that and, uh, and obviously three and a half years later I finished the lab components of that and I'm just finishing up with that so um, yeah it's been it's been really it's been really helpful for me you know obviously I've developed a lot of skills and sort of mm-hmm. I think a PhD does really sort of help your sort of cognitive processing is more than just the, the subject matter it's about sort of time management it's it's um you know a sort of a mindset where you're sort of in, of independent thinking and sort of applying everything you learn each new day and it sort of makes you sort of grow as a person more than just grow as growing as a scientist really so i think if anyone was thinking doing a phd i think i would definitely recommend it it's not as far from easy but then yeah you come through from come through the other side as a as, um really well i think yeah well it's pretty remarkable that you're, you're managing to do all that and obviously keeping up the, the running and stuff but obviously like you said that you know that that pays it you pay a price sometimes on on uh, trying to juggle too much at, at, yeah. at once and stuff and this, this pressures of life but um That's i'm, I'm glad um yeah glad it's coming to an end for you then uh the good good bright career ahead of you then in chemistry and one thing always comes to mind with chemistry is obviously breaking bad <laughs> so <laughs> everyone seems to make that link i mean as to say we uh i yeah. think as a chemistry phd i don't i don't make meth in the lab <laughs> um but yeah i can see i can see that link but um yeah it's yeah. But that doesn't mean to say what i don't i do isn't exciting you know I, I, it's, oh, for sure it's fantastic work in the lab it's a real it's really it does help the running actually because i'm not i'm not just sitting at a desk all the time getting my getting itchy legs i'm sort of in and out so i get enough sort of exercise throughout the day that i'm not sort of idle but i'm not yeah but at the same time i'm not constantly on my feet so i'm not drained when i come to do an evening session with the group mm. uh, out of interest um just a quick question i was just having a having a think there has your as any bit of your course at, at, at university or your degree in your phd had any kind of tie-in or relation to anything running related um not that i'm aware to be honest okay. since that i think they're really quite different in truth okay. i mean i've done a little bit of sort of some sort of loosely aligned field so i did a one point i did a little bit of teaching and outreach with the university and um, for kids 
and one of the things I was doing is sort of an after school sort of um, running running club. Yeah. Um, with the uh, with the aim with the idea that at some point I might be start might start doing some sort of chemistry and react some sort of fun chemistry reactions for the kids as another after school club. But it, it never quite materialised. But it's um it's quite cool to it's quite cool that sort of some of the some of the outreach opportunities that came from it really. Lovely. And 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 the subject the subject matter itself with your with your degree and your PhD um was there any kind of like um you know learning about chemical processes that are happening in the body that you could kind of like learn about with with what's going on with with any anything running related in that in that sense uh again it's quite loose i mean i'm personally i'm you know i'm really as i said i did chemistry and medicinal science so i'm always quite interested in fact as a past um as a past story of mine i um when i actually left school i was sort of i had ambitions of being a doctor and started at imperial to do medicine and it turned mm-hmm. out to be just completely unsuitable for me but i still retained a lot of that sort of interest in medicine and in that respect so when i came to do chemistry i sort of retained a lot of that sort of knowledge and i picked courses with modules which would um allow me to sort of further my um further okay. further that knowledge um and then as you say that's you know part of that medicine's sort of being a sort of an awareness of nutrition and sort of being able to look after your body and some of the biochemical processes so you, you may have seen some sort of things i've written for athletics weekly have been related to sort of um you know performance enhancing um sort of the biochemical um, components of running uh, and the performance and so okay. I suppose it's loosely aligns with performance testing so obviously an awareness of of how the body sort of clears lactate and things you know it's yeah. it's more of an interest more of an interest of mine but obviously mm. knowledge is power and if you can sort of the more you can find out about your sport or it might give you sort of performance performance edges and certainly with the performance data I acquire from from Portsmouth Uni who I who I who, te- who, I, who test test me um a lot of the information from that has been quite useful in sort of identifying weaknesses in my training and where I can improve. So, um, sure. but yeah, there is, there is definitely links in there. Cool. Okay. Well, Alex, um, I'm going to try and draw some kind of timeline. And I know you sent me some information uh, beforehand. We exchanged a couple of emails and stuff. And there is, honestly, there's there's so many achievements that, you, that you've had over the years from, from you know, being a young runner at school that it's going to be hard to cover it all but we'll try and we'll try yeah. and get some kind of some kind of timeline together but if we take it if, yeah if we, if we take it right back to the start um yeah. where, where were you born and and where did you grow up uh so i was born in a little village called Finden. so it's about half an hour um east of chichester um okay. and sort of um so i went to sort of school there and things um i was i was obviously very i was really keen on sport and I just loved that as a kid. Um, my parents were always very um, sceptical or hesitant of me to actually do athletics as a sport. So they wanted me to sort of try and do lots of things until I make my own mind up. So they, they, okay. they weren't keen on me doing just one thing. But it was clear that I had sort of an abundance of energy. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. a lot of my teachers thought I had ADHD as a kid, which I did. I, it turned out I didn't. I just had literally endless energy, even more, even, right. even for a kid. Like obviously, you no know, kids are have tons of energy but I mean I was particularly hyperactive um and that just translated I mean obviously sport was a good release for me as a kid and I could literally just and I normally excelled at sort of most sports I did really and that's still the same is true obviously not not quite the same level as athletics but you know I can turn my hand up to most sports um okay. so yeah I was, I was sporty from a very young age Interesting. And do you come from a family of runners, or have you got like any sporty, sporty relatives? In fact, I think my, it's well, your, your brother that runs. Yeah, my brother does does run. He, he um not not so much now, but he um as a as a kid he was uh, he was actually quite successful. Yeah, he um yeah. He'll, he'll be pleased I mentioned him. He um he won Southern County 
800 meter title one one point along with a few national a few county titles uh, and he did what I could never do never managed was uh, which went and went to English schools for the track which is something wow. uh, I'm not so bitter about but it's uh, something he does tease me about yeah. Um, so yeah. he was, he was quite successful very very different to me really he, and even his stature is very sort of um he's much more mu- muscular right and um he's much more better suited to middle distance things the 800 meters was really was his event really okay um, i was all, i've always been a long distance athlete really but my brother was successful um my dad did did a little bit of sport as a kid he was a i think he was school sprint champion Okay. At one point, um, my my grandfather was um, particularly sporty, so I think he was I think he was an international boxer actually, I believe, along with sort of tennis and sort of football and all sorts of things. He was he was very successful, so I think I got a lot of that from him. Gosh, how interesting! Boxing. Oh wow. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. So, so a bit of sport of the family. I think he was. Uh, he was I think I think he was nicknamed Twinkle Toes. <laughs> Twinkle Toes. <laughs> Just quite cool. Yeah. Brilliant. Was it dance like a butterfly, sting like a bee, that kind of thing? Yeah, <laughs> you've got it. Yeah. So, so um, if we if we if we jump forward to 2001, you 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 told me that you had your first school race, which was um over a, a cross cross country course. You you might have been year five, six or seven, somewhere around that. Um, uh, can you yeah, tell us where that was held and and how that how that kind of race came about? So it was a sort of school cross country, and uh, it was the junior school from junior school um, cross country uh, yearly event. Yeah which has held for years four, five, and six. So they run everyone together, regardless of age. Uh, and so that was my first sort of um, real sort of, uh, uh, what's the term, sort of introduction to athletics, really. I um, I finished second in that race, beating people that were two years older than me. I, I nearly won. I only got, only, I only got, uh, only got beaten on the final, final sprint. Um, okay. And obviously, yeah, obviously to beat at that age, age is such an important thing. Uh, and so I have to, to be two years more uh, older is such an advantage. And so clearly this thing was a lot, I was sort of had, had potential beyond my years from that. Yeah. And it sort of, and it sort of, and I, and I hope my parents sort of knew that I'd be sort of destined to it at that point. And they sort of started to get me involved with, with um, City Portsmouth, the local, local athletics club. Yeah. Uh, so you joined, that. so you joined them soon after. Yes. Yes, I did. So um, I didn't actually, I didn't actually ha- start with my, with my coach for many years. I actually started in sort of the junior groups and doing sort of the, some of the um, sports hall events. So, um, you know, things like the um, speed bounce and sort of the, the javelins and things and just sort of multi events, really. It was clear that I was clear. It was clear that I was a sort of, I was a runner more than a field eventer. Yeah, I know a few other parents that take their kids um, to City of Portsmouth Athletics, and they do, like you say, they get quite a good um, opportunity to try lots of different athletic sports. It's not just running around the track, mm. which is nice. Yeah, yeah no, you say there's there's lots of there's there's lots of coaches there, and it's quite nice that they sort of try get you to try lots of things really, so you, so to sort of to pique your interest really before, so you don't have to sort of make a decision about it so early on. Mm. So sort of, and that's quite important as a child to be able to have that choice. You don't want to sort of be be put put into something that you're not that you know you're not happy. Yeah. With. You know, I think that's a big part of staying in the sport for so long. Really, if you if you sort of uh, if you sort of make the decision yourself rather than being pushed into it, I think you're much more likely to stick with it, and you're likely to remember those reasons uh, in the long yeah, term. Sure. It starts to get difficult. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously joining City of Portsmouth Athletics, you were obviously trying trying a few different sports and things. And was it um, was it actually Pat Butcher, whose name's come up quite a few times with different guests on this uh, on this podcast. Before. Ah, Did, oh, lovely! 
Yep, had to be mentioned quite a few times. Um, I think particularly more recently by Katie Carew Robinson. Yes. Um, for for coaching over there, and I actually had the pleasure of meeting Pat one night as well uh, with the, with a training session with with Portsmouth Athletics as well. But um, were you picked up by Pat as as you know having having potential to go far with the running? Yeah, I think she was recommended to us, and obviously her track record speak, spoke spoke for itself. Unfortunately, well, she, she doesn't coach now. Unfortunately, she's um sort of retired, but her track record at the time spoke for itself. The number of internationals she'd coached, you know, sort of no less than Michael Lees, John Brinkham, her son Greg, um, you know, there was uh, Steve Arnold. There's literally, you know, there's like she's got a whole portfolio of international athletes. So like, Amazing. You know, I'm surprised that people, more people, weren't sort of encouraged to go to her really i mean obviously a lot of club bit of club politics involved with those sorts of things but you know they, for me it was a no-brainer to sort of i mean even at the time i sort of was aware of what what she was what she'd done and you know it was, it was a very, very very easy decision to sort of get involved with pat's coaching and that really that was a really big part of of my of me sort of um climbing up the ladder so to speak Okay, so so your so your so your training and running must have like improved pretty dramatically after joining the club and and maybe being picked out for the running. But um, interesting. I was going to ask you because your your first like uh, I guess in in quotes proper cross country uh, race in a, in a club vest was um at an, at an event in Farley Mount, which is where I run quite a few of my lunchtime runs at work because I work oh. over in Hursley Village. Yeah, it's a lovely part of the world. Yeah. Um, mm, so yeah, there's, there's mm, so, yeah, a big part of sort of club running and that, uh, you know, in, in for long dis- longer distance, if you want to sort of get involved with cross country, it's sort of the main one you do is, um, it's what's called the Hampshire League uh, races. Oh, okay. There's five over the course of a season and they're all sort of loosely based in Hampshire. Um, there's, I mean, there's change over the course of, over, over the years, it's, each of them sort of change different, that change places for various different reasons, you know, either financially or sort of um conditions have been unsuitable um okay but, but the original set and the, the first one on the calendar initially was always as always was always falling out um anyway this race itself i um i was actually a double bottom year so I, this is sort of a this is sort of a, a sort of a, an un, unknown sort of term really so in 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 an age group you have two years generally speaking you're a top year or a bottom year in inverted commas um okay normally you don't do you wouldn't go to be you wouldn't be a double bottom year in one age category because there'd be a lower category for you to compete in so for example yeah. if you have a double bottom year under 15 you'd be a top year under 13 if that makes sense so you'd be so to be an under 13 you're either 12 or 11 but to be a double bottom year in the under 15 you'd be sort of you'd go you're 14 and 13 but then you'd be 12 or which means you'd be yeah. eligible for under 13 so the only reason you normally do it is because you're so good that you're that that comp, that level of competition isn't suitable for you, so you sort of go into an upper division, really. Okay. But for me, at the time, because I was, was under thirteen, was the lowest age you could do. It was the lowest category you could, you could compete in, and yeah. I was in ten. So ideally, I'd be in an under eleven category, but there wasn't one at the time. They have introduced a race actually since then, probably probably for people like me uh, at the time, but okay. um, it's, it's it's a very different, but um, it's a bit shorter. But um, but I did my first race when I was ten in an under twelve in the, in the twelve in the under thirteen age group, uh, and I finished. That's a, really brave. Twenty <laughs> first in my first race, I could have got absolutely hammered, but it turns out I was quite a lot, I had quite a lot of potential even then. Um, so I I've actually finished quite well in that, and I finished the series 
of races. I think the best best race I finished in that in the series was uh, Overton, which is a grueling course. I wish they hadn't removed it from the calendar, but I finished thirteenth at that one, which I was, which looking back, I was really pleased with. To be honest, wow. I mean, I think a lot of people would struggle to finish thirteenth in their top year. Yeah, I bet some of the other kids must have been like, "Well, he's, he's a couple of years younger than us. What's what's going on here?" Yeah, I think definitely it raised a few eyebrows, really. But as I say, it was frowned upon. It was frowned upon, and I don't think it's allowed really as such now. But um, I think you know, I think we did it quite quietly, and we thought if it didn't work out, we, we wouldn't say anything. And uh, and as it turned out, it, really, it was an opportunity for me to compete in uh, mm. in cross country, which is obviously still remains my favourite surface even now. Well, I mean, look, look, look at what it's done for you. It, it clearly kind of helped motivate you and keep you keep you running and stuff. So, you know, good, good for you for doing it. And uh, yeah, very, very brave to to take on, you know, children, especially at that age, take on children a couple of years. Um, yeah. Years older than you. That's that's really think, daunting for, for a lot of people. Yeah, I think a big part of that is your coach, really, to sort of keep them, keep you well grounded and sort of keep um, sort of a real, a realistic approach to things. So if, if it doesn't go well, it's just a race. Obviously, it's, I think it's quite easy as a kid to be intimidated or put off by sort of experiences that happen in the sport. So they're not sort of mentally resilient like we are as adults. And so it's important. So I think the coach's input is quite important in that respect. And Pat was really, really um, instrumental in sort of keeping me in a good mindset in the sport, really, and keeping keeping it enjoyable, which is which is so important, really. Yeah, good, good. So, so after a couple of years, a few years of training and stuff, and you, you, you know, you must have your training must have hit some kind of like good structure and stuff. Being under under Pat Butcher, mm-hmm. uh, you, you obviously, to, about January two thousand and five, you said that you ended up winning the the Hampshire Cross Country Championships. But there's a there's a very funny story to this, which which I've read a, a bit of, but I'm very very keen to hear it in full. Um, how did you end up going the wrong way, Alex? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I didn't actually I didn't actually run the wrong way, but when I when the well, obviously um, one of the sort of things the big things about, about running as a kid is that you need to sort of um, it's the discipline of running and obviously making sure you're on the start line and uh, and one of the big things of that is making sure you're on the right you're you're facing the right direction when the, when the, when the race starts, which is something which uh-huh, I gotcha. failed to adhere to. Uh, so that when the gun went, I was sort of completely the wrong way and I got shoved and I ended up stone dead last at the start of the race and this and i need to oh. sort of i need there needs to be a little bit of um background to this and that was probably um this actually sort of guy ties in with some of the rivalries i've had um two two spring to mind one with a, with, a, with a chap called ollie oliver Aitchinson, and another another with a chap called will bodkin now oliver was always better than me uh, and in that year in the in the hampshire league races he finished first in every one and I came home second to him on four occasions. Okay. Uh, so, I, and, and the other one, I was, I was a couple behind that. So, so every year, every race he beat me that year in, in that competition. Now, the thing is, he competed for a club called Aldershot. And what's interesting about Aldershot is that half of the half of the county is in represents Hampshire, and half of it represents Surrey. And Ollie was, wow. was in the Surrey section of the championship. And this is the first opportunity I had of racing this year without. Ollie being there so obviously he was competing in the Surrey championship race and I was in Hampshire championship races so really with my sort of main rival out the way this should have been a um this should have sort of been a relative walk in the park for me it would be, okay. it would be expensive here, but obviously there's not, nothing certain in, in athletics and no least that what happened here so obviously finish starting the race stone dead last probably wasn't going to do my, my race my, my hopes of winning this that much good um but you know anything can happen and uh, yeah. I think I sort of 
uh, I think a big part of, my, of sort of what's made me so successful, I think, about if I may say so, is um, my sort of never say die attitude and sort of just mm. it's not over till it's over and just sort of digging for every every position. And I clawed my way through the field and I ended up and I thought, and even even with 100 metres to go, I thought I've never, there's no way I'm going to do this. But I was sort of closing people bit by bit in the race, going past people. And Will was um, destined to win the race. And he thought he'd done enough okay. when, he, when he came into the finishing column first. He didn't realise that the finishing line was at the end of the funnel. And as I elbowed past oh, him no. on, in, within the funnel, I, I went past him just before the finishing line. And sort of, and after a sort of, a, a sort of um, there was quite a, um, there was a bit of a pause, really, while they sort of worked out what just happened and whether it was, whether it was valid and legal and everything's okay. And after a discussion, I was declared, declared winner. Um, which I think builds wow. heart, um, and it sort of, as I say, made, completely made headlines in the newspapers. You know, there's a lovely, there's a lovely cutting of me, of me, which I still have. Um, mm. It's shoots and sneaks home to grab on us. I think is the title, which uh, I, in fact I can still remember it now. So it says a lot, really. Um, and yeah. Will was just was devastated, but um, we we laugh about it now, and I think he enjoys the, the fact that it's a sort of a bit of a claim to fame that he's always so close to be to beating me that day. Uh, I, his mum, I don't know whether she's figuring me or not. Um, so we are, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure about that. But as but as it happens, it took another 12 years to actually regain the seat, the, um, the Hampshire title for some for one reason or another. Yeah. So 12 years later, I came back and won it as a senior. Um, it took me quite a long time. But um, but that but that one 12 that's one 12 years before was one of my, one of my sweetest victories really. Certainly my mm. one of my hardest earned. <laughs> When you when you won it as a senior again, you were facing the right way, I assume, at the start of the, at that time. <laughs> yeah, as it happened, I was yeah. near misses. And the trouble is with Hampshire, it's such a strong county. You know, you can you, any one day you could be up against Andy Vernon, the Olympian, Lee Merrion, another Olymp- marathon Olympian. You've got people like um, Scott, um, uh, John Beatty. You've got um, literally. Uh, and so many names. Hampshire is such a strong county, uh, and, and uh, to Chris Tom- Thompson, he's Hampshire as well. Obviously, Aldershot. Literally, you could, you could, and, and there's, so I'm sure there's others I've I've not named. Tom Anderson, he's gone to the states. He, he was a pro runner then. Um, you could come up against a world class athlete, and so there's sort that was one of the main reasons why it took me so many other years to win the Hampshire title because there's mm-hmm. there normally always be someone there who just sort of take me apart and I sort of finish a se- finish second place. But, but yeah. I mean, as, as say one year I came up and there was just nobody there, and I think I must have won it by about a minute, and I was sort of at that standard, and I think probably people realised, and I suddenly realised at that point maybe I'm one of those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's people who say, "Oh, damn, that person's there." You probably, probably for most other people in their race, they're probably they're probably thinking that about me, which is uh, which is quite quite uh, which is quite humbling, in a way. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a good lesson in that story, and and like you say, n- never give up. It's not over till it's over, and you never know what's going to happen in a race. Um, so I, I, I like I like that lesson from that. But if we um if we move on to I think about 2007, um, and I know I'm skipping quite a lot of years here, but obviously we could sit and chat yeah, about, yeah, about hundreds and hundreds of different races and, and training sessions and stuff. Um, but you'd obviously you know kept up the training, you were still enjoying it, and you were you were training well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess you were kind of growing into into the runner you are now. But how how was the training uh, during, during that time? What kind of sessions do you do at that age? And like, how, you know, 
describe the training. Yeah, the training was quite good. It was uh, well, obviously, yeah, exactly. It was, it was, it was, it was good. And I think it was very suitable for kids. Really, she included a bit of everything. Really, so she made it interesting, but also made it quite, quite sort of tough, tough work. Really, so we didn't do, we didn't do master mileage. Mostly, it was on grass, which obviously kept, which obviously kept us supple and sort of. I think it's generally good for your joints and things. Doing a lot of, a lot of grass running. Um, there was a lot of sessions and sort of a lot of, we, we, I mean, loads of sessions stick out in my mind. It's too many to sort of name, to sort of count on this podcast. But, um, you know, things like sort of little relays around the, around the, um, around the track, holes, halves and quarters, that was called. So you have, you do sort of one laps, half laps and quarter laps in teams of one, two and five. So two, okay. two, three and five, sorry. Um, and then, um, so that's a particularly fun one. A lot, a lot of track sessions as well. So we'd only ever do one track session a week. But we do three. We do two grass sessions a week normally. So, mm-hmm. so that'll be. So we do. We we did slightly more sessions Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then potentially even a race on Saturday. So we'd end up sort of going up to four intense things. But I think you know, as a kid, you're very resilient to sort of to that. So we you recover quite quickly, and obviously doing less mileage means yeah. that sort of you're, there's more quality incorporated into it than, than quantity. Uh, yeah. And hills hills on Monday. So I remember going up to. Um, to Farlington to do Troon Crescents, Farlington's, Burtdale's, Garages, Lampposts, Farlington's themselves. Uh, but they've all got names, eh? Yeah, all the, we all know the names. And literally, that's sort of a big part of Pat's training. Like if you, you go to any of Pat's athletes, and various ones and various ones probably been on, been on the podcast, they'll be able to reel off the same, the same lit, um, same list of um, hills and um, variations there. Obviously, you've got Burtdale Troons, which is a comp, which is, where you sort of combine a bird down and a true, which is quite funny. Okay. Amazing. So, yeah. Um, Amazing. It yeah. makes it fun, doesn't it? It makes it kind of like almost like a little game looking forward to the session. Oh, I wonder what we're going to do tonight. Are we going to mix these two together or that two together? It does It does become like a source of kind of like enjoyment um, in the sessions as well. Funny yeah, enough, definitely. even just the name. Yeah. yeah. The thrills and the surprise really of not, not, not knowing what you're doing. Sometimes she'll, she'll, she'll put a training program together, but the things we were never that organized to be able to sort of take down what she put down in the book. So we're always a bit surprised by what, by what we're doing. And then sometimes she'd just throw an absolute sort of curveball at us. It's like, hang on, you got us doing six farthings, which is like a K long hill nearly, which yeah. that's a, that's a monster session. <laughs> and you thought, okay, I'm going to be here a while. And there's, um, you know, as, as I was getting older, and there's been a lot of times when mum would be sitting in the car for what would seem like an eternity while I was still sort of up and down hills. Probably why I ended up being as good as I am, really, because mm. she, uh, you know, the one, the ones that sort of stay out, get there early first, leave last, they're normally the winners. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so many, many, many a sort of a training uh, tra- thing when I, when I'd be out for sort of you know nearly two hours doing a session and things. So yeah, that's. Uh, so, but yeah, there are so many, so many sort of sessions stick back, stick out, and Pat was very good at keeping it interesting for sure. Cool. Well, next 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 time I go up and do a set of garages myself, which I've which I, I've done one one that was a session I did with Pat one night, and uh, I'll I'll remember I'll hear the echoes of your of your training from years ago and uh, re- reminisce what it, what it must have been like for you guys on those nights. <laughs> um, Ruling but enjoyable, I think, is the take home message. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Alex, when were you? There was something I had to Google actually because I hadn't heard of it before, and that was the Mini London Marathon because you were selected to to run that. Um, yeah, that's I had to Google it. I, I, yeah, I'm not even what, sure what is that event anymore? To be perfectly honest, so um, the morning of the marathon, of the London Marathon, there's something called the Mini Marathon. They or well, they used to be, and it was a race between sort of counties and boroughs of London. 
Um, and yeah. so normally you were selected from um, from sort of Hampshire, Hampshire schools. So Hampshire obviously is a region, and the schools is sort of you know school school races obviously. Um, now that's interesting because schools races alternate in age group with the um, with normal athletics event races. So um, so going back to these sort of age groups is a bit funny in athletics. So if you're if you're a top year as as in an age group in an in your club, so for example mm-hmm. under thirteen, under fifteen, under seventeen, under twenty. The school years alternate with those, so you'd be under 14, under 16, under 18. Um, so, so yeah, so you'd be, so it's quite difficult to go to sort. Of, and so obviously, as a result of that, you'd be top year in one and bottom year in the other. So you'd be top year for Hampshire schools and bottom year for the for the Hampshire counties as such. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so the um, so the the London Mar- the London Mini Marathon was selected through the school system, normally by Hampshire schools and and an inter-county event, which is sort of trial events for the English schools cross country. Um, the thing is, what's further complicated about the mini marathon is that the age groups are a bit odd. So, um, so based on what age group, so I, th- I can't remember why, but because I was a January birthday, I always ended up being young in my year. So uh, this is another okay. concept. So if you're like in August, so if, if you're September to November, normally you're at, you're at a slight disadvantage in the in the younger age groups because you get put into an older older category and you're one of the youngest in your year. Yeah. So, like a school year, so obviously, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. one of the oldest, and you're August, you're one of the your youngest. So, uh, and obviously for me, I was always at an age where I, uh, when I was competing against people older than me, which sort of put me at a bit of a disadvantage. So I was only, I only, I was only selected for that twice, but it was a really, it's a really lovely event. So um, they get you up at the crack of dawn. Um, they used to keep us in the put us in to Hampshire. We put in a in the Royal College of Egan, which is a really lovely college. Um, it's near, near it's near Eton. Um, and so we sort of we got we they got us up at the crack of dawn, got us on a ferry, sorry, on a coach over to over to Westminster, I think it's Westminster, and, they, and you run the last 2.6 miles of the London Marathon as a race against other counties and other boroughs. And I just I have really fond memories. I never really did that well in that race, but it was you know some very very fond memories of of racing that, and it was one of the rare opportunities as a kid to actually sort of spend a night away from. Away from home, which is always a sort of a bit of a thrill when you're a kid, really being able to do Such that. Such fun, yeah. Yeah, along with English schools as well. That's obviously that's another opportunity when that arises as well. Mm. And, and pro- proper motivation because you you were going you were you going to go back and run it this year, the London Marathon. London, yeah, exactly. So obviously, yeah. yeah, I think being able to sort of getting being exposed to the London Marathon atmosphere because obviously the London Marathon was held shortly afterwards. So obviously, the race was held about seven eight, seven o'clock. And so obviously, all the kids have all finished by the time the actual marathon. Yeah. Uh, preparations begin uh, and so obviously you still everyone stuck around to sort of get a bit of a taste for what the London Marathon was and it was you know even at early age it's like you, you get a sense for how how sort of what an atmosphere that event is and you know it's probably it's the world's biggest event really I don't think there's any anything, anything really compares to it even the sort of great run series races it doesn't really compare to the London Marathon mm-hmm. and so I always sort of sort of thought you know, if I'm going to do a marathon it's got to be, it's going to be London isn't it and so, um, so my, so this year I would have been doing it. Obviously, it's um, it's now it's been postponed to October. But I still That's think right. I, I will. So, um, yeah, obviously I'm going to start my preparations for that quite soon. But, you know, it's it's funny that I sort of it's taken years um, to come to come around since I've been doing sort of the, the little mini marathon races. But um, but yeah, definitely got yeah. a taste for the real thing. Lovely. Well, I'll tell you what, on, on that day, I'll be uh, I'll be happily refreshing Strava to see how you do. So make sure you take your phone with you and you can upload <laughs> and upload yeah, at the end. There's an app, do, do you, app do you have a... track, you can track runners on the app, actually. You can actually see of where they're doing the race. 
so even better. So you'll be able to keep you'll be able to keep a close a close eye on on sort of peers and things. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll definitely be doing that. And and do you have a time in mind for yourself, or are you just gonna um, just gonna go and see well, what happens? Well, it's funny you say that because that sort of ties in quite well with the sort of performance testing I was doing. At one point, um, my um, I was I was doing some really good testing, and my marathon pace was actually getting quicker and quicker. And sort of they, they put you on a treadmill and you know they put a they put a ventilator on you and they, they record how much how much air you're taking in and mm. they, they prick your finger to work out how what your blood concentration is running at certain speeds and they use that to determine sort of your blood lactate concentration which can close which you know a lot of um, there's a lot of data which can sort of comparing elite runners to determine what your race pace is based on that because people have run races and they've recorded their blood lactate and how it changes and use okay. it use it to give a pretty reliable indicator of what you can run or at least your your best potential run predictor is now the predict the, the number which got spat out by for me was a bit rem- a bit uh, astonishing really a little bit remarkable It'd be, it's about two minutes and 11 so two hours wow. 11, two hours 11 which i think if i ever if i do run a 211 particularly on my first one which i when i don't know the distance it's going to be remarkable so i mean the back of I mean, that's 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 the absolute platinum standard. So if I run that, I'll be dead. I'll be you know astonished. But like, I think anything sub two twenty, I'd be I sort of I think I'd take on my first one, seeing as I don't know how it's going to be. But I mean, you know, anything between two eleven and two twenty, I'd be quite happy with. Mm, for sure. I mean, two two is two eleven within the Olympic qualifying standard. Very, very close. The Olympic qualifying standard is ten two ten thirty. Oh, two ten thirty. Okay. Wow. I mean, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. The other thing in the back of my mind, and this is quite funny, is um, the um, you, you can imagine, you can literally imagine the headline if I run two two hours ten and even some seconds because it would be like Tuton runs two ten. <laughs> what, what headline that would be? wouldn't it okay i think i think there's going to be some journalists out there getting ready for that alex <laughs> yeah get, so get ready if i ever do run that i i'll be so disappointed if there isn't a headline somewhere that says tutin tutin runs 210 or tutin breaks 210 okay uh, I, th- I think the pressure's on now to definitely do that because I, I i've got to see that headline uh, even i'll keep that <laughs> yeah you can imagine you can imagine you can imagine can't you yeah absolutely brilliant so it, make, it gets um, me quite excited anyway like more, wishful. More, more wishful thinking than anything else but we'll see yeah well wishing wishing you all the best with uh, with that one when it comes about later in the year yeah. um a bit moving a bit closer to home alex the obviously the great the great south run is a is a race uh, close close to your own heart close to home um and you've obviously raced it quite a few times from from yeah. very early on uh, but you ran you ran that uh in 2007 is that mm. that was the junior race which is about a mile and a half is it or 2k or it's something like that. It's not. I think it's. Yeah. I think it was slightly longer when we did it. Um, I think. It's, oh, okay. I think it was two and a half k. I think it's actually got a little bit shorter since we since 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 I've done it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's that's another race where I had sort of um, where they sort of have a little mini race before the big thing, and they sort of give you a taste mm. of the race itself. Uh, and I, yeah, that was that was a big race for me actually. The, my my final year of doing that, I think it was two thousand seven, uh, where I finished second in the mini mini Great South. I would have lost really? all that, obviously. So that was, a, that was a that was a big result for me, really. And obviously, um, doing doing so well got got me a lot of attention, really, in the in the papers mm. and things, which was really which was really nice. And I think it's sort of one of those races that sort of puts you on the map, really. Some races do that, don't you? If you have a really staggering race, yeah, it, it gets you noticed, really. There's a few races yeah. that sort of stick out of my mind for for that reason. But like, but yeah, that was a really good result. Uh, and uh, so yeah, and obviously the uh, the atmosphere from that sort of 
sort of you know really really sort of um sold the great south for me and you know having never having lived in Portsmouth since 2000 you know I've been in nearly 20 years approaching 20 years now so um it's a it's a big part of my life and uh, the great so is the great south really you know I couldn't yeah. I couldn't imagine a year not not doing it now really unless something went unless something went wrong it's a really it's a really great event and the support you get from it it's just astonishing especially being fantastic so yeah so I, I see what that um you were saying earlier about the you know the before the race they do the children's race that that day on the Saturday before the main race on the Sunday that they have for the children's races and obviously the 5k as well is absolutely mm-hmm. superb. I mean, there's, there's hundreds, if not thousands of, of children taking, taking part in that and they're running oh. with their parents and their mums and dads and grandmas and, and grandpas. And it, it's just a really, really good day. It motivates them so much. I know my kids love it. They absolutely it's really do. good. I wonder if still some of the, some of the uh, sort of antics are still carried out. So um, as a kid, it was quite difficult to sort of get a, get a place on the front row if you're, if you're, if you're good, you want to sort of be up there. And so we used to do, we used to jump the barrier with about two minutes to go, sort of to sort oh, of yeah. the start line because otherwise, because if people didn't know you, it's a bit difficult to sort of make a claim for it. Whereas it's a bit easier now, I think. I think I, I don't, I, I don't really need to sort of, I don't really need to sort of to, to jump over any fences to end up on the start, the start of a start of a race line. <laughs> no, not anymore for you, dude. I think you you probably go through with the elites for the uh, for the senior race now. Uh, for the elite race for Great South. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. For the last few years, I'm I'm really I'm really fortunate. I mean, they um they they'd offer me sort of accommodation and things, but obviously I don't I don't need it. Living a mile three quarters of a mile from the start line. If anything, I've That's got I've got, got the best seats in the house really. So um, but yeah, obviously having being able to warm up in the elite setup, you know, doing strides, having having all the seeing all the crowds and everything, uh, is, and being recognised is a, is really really nice. You know, it's one of my high, one of my favourite races of the year really. And I really hope it's on this year to be honest. I hope so too. I really do. I mean, yeah, I think I'm entered already. You're obviously gonna gonna come through and run it as well. Oh, for um, sure. I won't be keeping up with you, but uh, <laughs> I'll probably see you afterwards. Or because uh, I normally bump into you after the after the great South. You're normally kind of kind of doing some cool down runs along the seafront and uh, yeah, lots do. It's nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's a few sort of new news reporters out and things. You can have a quick chat with them. To sort of add to yeah. this things. It's always nice. Definitely. I've, I've I've been I've been quite lucky the last couple of years. Strangely, the last two two years in a row, I've I've run it, and kind of collapsed over the finish line, kind of dragged myself to the to the side. And and two years running, I've um got to chat with Chris Thompson and, and Andy Vernon oh, they, for two they, years running. <laughs> it's really good that they have those. They're they're rivalry of those two. So like um, Vernon is the sort of pantomime villain, and he loves that. I don't know I don't know why he's ended up with this sort of um with this kind of <laughs> reputation of being this villain, and Chris Thompson yeah. is a good guy, but like. It, the, the media love it they're literally all over that so they have this sort of they, they always sort of put those two together and sort of they 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 were they, they're really funny guys actually they sort of share banter with each other and even i even i have a bit of banter with them and actually one of the one of the best thing one of the nicest things that anyone's ever said to me i think in the sport um and this is actually there's a bit of context to this because um i saw Tom actually after my um after my real big break when i sort of got my gb vest at european cross and i was mm-hmm. to be honest i was pretty disappointed with how i ran I, uh, you know, I was literally rabbit in the headlights. I tore out. Uh, I didn't have a very good run. I had a few gut problems as well. I mean, I, I didn't do appallingly. I mean, obviously, I, I, was, I was fourth scorer and I brought us home to a bronze medal on the team, which I was quite happy. You know, you know, I really should be. I really should be a bit circumspect about it. But I mean, at the time, there wasn't really any concern in me because I really wanted to do well, particularly as sort of my main rival, Ben. One of my rivals, Ben Connor, he finished fifth. And he only just yep. picked me at the trials, so I thought, you know, if that's what he can do, really, where should I, I should be should should have been in the top ten, really, somewhere like that. But I ended up finishing thirty eighth, 
and he was one of one of the people that sort of con- sort of consoled me, not directly at the race, but obviously when I, but at the in the evening when I when we got back to the hotel, and he yeah. said something that was really sweet actually. Yeah, he said, he said, uh, and this brings me back, brings back back to the Great South anyway. We had a race, uh, and one of the races. I mean, I've actually beaten Chris Thomas, which is uh, which you know you know I'm really pleased. I'm sort of on a, on a personal level, it's sort of I'm quite pleased to have scouts him. But um, but yeah. the year my, my best result was a, was fourth place in 2017, I believe. Um, yes. And he won it that year, and, he, and that with that he obviously won his third title in in a row. I think it was it was it third? no that was the first of his three in a row. So he finished. Yeah, it was yeah. 2018, yeah. which is no one's ever done. Obviously, it's just testament to how great he is. But he says, and I was the fast statistically I was the fastest person in the race for the last two miles because they were about 15 seconds in front of me, the leaders, and I closed down. I closed nine, took nine seconds out of Connor, uh, out of um, Tomo, and I closed 15 seconds out of um, uh, Matt Sharp and Ben Connor, who finished second and third. And actually oh, went, I remember oh, that, yeah. And, uh, and Tomo said, of all the people in that race, you were the person who I was most worried about. Because I thought, and that's why I thought I need to get an edge out. And I thought, it wasn't Ben, it wasn't Matt Sharp, it was you, because he knew what sort of finish I had and what, what sort oh. of weapon I'd be coming coming out from Eastney to, towards the finish line. And, and it was that year when it was absolutely blowing a gale and it was like 20 mile an hour winds. Mm. And I thought Grisma teeth dug, Grisma dug in like crazy and sort of just eat, just just closed it. And the trouble is uh, the race was sort of lost before that really. You're giving, you can't give um, Tomo a 15 second lead. You know, it's just too much. He's just gonna, yeah. he's just gonna run away with it. But I closed nine seconds out of him. He only won by six seconds. And then I sort of, I went past Matt Sharp but then he came back, uh, and I thought I, I thought he was finished. But then he came mm. back back at me after that, for 200 meters to go, and tore past me and Ben. And so that's uh, fourth in my best position. But I was, you know, really at a time when I really really needed some encouragement, having I sort of had a disappointing European cross. Tomo was there, you know, to, to sort of give me some real words of encouragement, which you know I still remember to this day. That's amazing. Good. What what a good it's guy. What a good runner. That's really nice. I remember watching that year, Alex. I got back. I think I got back after watching. I think going down there just to watch the race live at the end of the road, see the mm-hmm. runners come past. Uh, I remember seeing you come past, and then I went back home, watched it on TV, and because I didn't know the results, I I was absolutely screaming at the TV for you to go because it was such a battle. Yeah, it was on Channel Five, place. which was really nice. Yeah, yeah, amazing. It was absolutely um, incredibly exciting, exciting run, was, and um, for more, everyone important. It was more popular. Was commentating. Obviously, he's a British legend himself. He, uh, he had the 5K record type before Mo Mo took it. Um, yeah. But what was quite a, a little bit disappointing was that he had literally no idea who I was. And literally, he spent most of the race sort of going talking about um, Tomo, Ben, and he didn't really know Matt Sharp either because he was a bit of an unknown then. But literally, okay. as as sort of as I went past into third place, place and went past Matt Sharp and sort of I was closing on the other two. It's like, oh, this is, and he sort of st- he sort of said my name. It's like he clearly had no idea who he was, but like I think he probably felt a bit sort of um, awkward about the fact yeah. that he hadn't spent, said anything about me, and all of a sudden I was contesting the win potentially. So I think yeah, I, I think uh, I didn't I didn't really fly under the radar much after that, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, I think. I think I've seen similar similar things on TV before. I'm sure there was an American commentator once watching one of the big um, American marathons, and and I think it was the year that they had some really really heavy snow and stuff at, at Chicago, it might have been. And um, Yuki Kawauchi uh, went through and just raced off from the start line, just absolutely banging ahead of everyone. And one of the American commentators said, "Oh, who's this guy? He just wants a bit of TV time, you know." And he actually ended up winning the race. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Yeah, know, know the competitors well. Surprised <laughs> how many times that happens. I can't remember. There's a famous story about Zapotec. Emil Zapotec wasn't there. Um, I think for one of his races, and uh, he was running along, and he was a bit. And he was a uh, he was a brilliant runner, wasn't he, back in the day? But uh, a little yeah, bit oh, yeah. and he sort of ran next to his competitors. And he, one of his competitors, and he said, and he said, is, that, is it, are we going fast enough? And he's, and he's saying, and then, and then he replies, saying, nowhere near. And it's like, oh, okay, right, thanks. And literally just tore off into the distance. And he thought, Amazing. oh, there's no way he's going to win this. And he broke the, like, the world record, I think, for marathon by like a mile at the time, I think. And I think yeah. the, like, the mental mindset of sort of going out and having such a big lead. And I just think he was, bless him, he just didn't have a clue what sort of pace he should have been running to break the world record. But, you know, I think that's a big part of it. If you, if you just turn off your, I think that's a big advocate, advocacy for sort of turning off your watch and just sort of going with it. Because if you if you know what pace you should, you you, you ought to be running, in inverted commas, normally your yeah. brain sort of take over and you'll struggle. Whereas if you don't know what you're supposed to be running and just run to feel, you can normally surprise yourself with how fast you're actually running. That's true. It's like a governor. Say again, sorry. It's it's like it's like almost kind of like a governing chip inside your head, isn't it? That exactly. kind of tells you, slows you down. Yeah, you're exactly. Because right. if your head if your head tells you you're not you can't run that pace, then you won't. And and most so many of my PBs have come where I haven't, when I've sort of been so surprised when I looked at the watch. I mean, my 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 three k track PB, my seven fifty five, came when I wasn't really looking, and I was just holding off a dear life in a race, which was which was rapid, and I suddenly realised. Mm-hmm. And, and the minute I took up, the minute I realised that actually what pace I was on, I was thinking, I am so far below eight minutes here. Bearing in mind my PB before that was 8.11. So I thought something mm-hmm. like that. So I must have taken about 19 seconds out of my PB, which is, you know, you know for a 3K, isn't it? It's like ridiculous. Um, but like, yeah. you know, that, that sort of, that sort of that mental thing where I, when I realised, oh my, oh my days, I'm miles ahead of where I, where I was expecting to be. And the same story, mm-hmm. my, my road 5K, I was... I was, I was in a group of runners, couldn't watch, look at my watch. I was just thought, I'm just going to hang in here as hard as I can. And then coming down the home straight, as a lot of the races, they have like those um, finishing boards. And I looked at the time, it's like, is that a 14 or a 13? Oh, oh, oh my gosh, it's a 13. And it was like, <laughs> it was like 13, 15. And so I wow. ended up, I obviously run, ended up running 13. Uh, what, my 5K PB is like 13, 13.45 or something. But yeah, wow, okay. it was, um, you know, I got a big, big, big PB there from that, just simply from not being able, to, from not being aware of what the time time was and just hanging on. Really, you mm. know, you can support yourself. Amazing. I mean, I mean, as as useful as the technology can be and the equipment can be, it can be just as governing and uh, oh, definitely you know, have yeah. have the opposite effect. For sure, so. It can have a negative effect, definitely. Yeah, it's time, mm. it's time and a place for it. Yeah, it's, it's actually funny. You were talking about that Zatapeg earlier. I'm sure he has a as well. He has a famous quote of just like rocking up at the start line as well, and he kind of like looks around. I think it was in one of the Australian Olympics or something. And he just says it was a really warm day apparently, and apparently he said, um, "Gentlemen, today we are going to die a little," which is which is lo- I, I love it. I know that one. Yeah, it's a brilliant. He he was brilliant with quotes actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean actually yeah. in a weird kind of way, I feel like I sort of I do see a little bit of myself in him. Actually, someone once said. Because I rocked up. Uh, there's a number of occasions where where my uh, my my dress sense for races has been a bit questionable, uh, to say the least. Um, right. There's two things which two people two things that a lot of people have picked up on. One is the fact that I refuse to wear racing shorts unless it's a really big race. So I, I ended up rocking up to races for many years. I still do to a lot of them in what people describe as Stanley Matthews shorts. I don't know if you I probably a bit. It's, it's a term I don't fully understand. I think Stanley Matthews was a footballer with really long shorts. Okay. 
but yeah so I have all these sort of Stanley Matthews shorts and um people would sort of comment comment on me saying like um saying how can you run so quickly in those things and that just made me feel comfortable like they they they're they're, they're big and they're probably heavy and they probably cost me a bit but like if I feel comfortable wearing them then hell I'm gonna wear the things uh and and then absolutely I had one of my best races yeah. actually I had a pair of green stripes and the reason I wear green stripes is because the Hampshire colors is green and white green and white vest and so color I was color coordinated and I finished 12th in the counties and it was that year that I ended up getting my first England vest actually my first uh in March 2013 believe it will be yeah exactly and uh it was um you know I wore these ridiculous shorts and people and then people and then I think everyone laughed at sort of a lot of people commented sort of were laughing at before the race they definitely weren't laughing after the race when I finished 12th in the in the in the UK wearing those ridiculous shorts um so that's so that's one thing that's and that's sort of draw always draws a few laughs the other thing is sometimes I, there's been a few occasions where I've sort of forgot my vest or something um I ended up going to a BMC race uh in an, in earlier years I can't remember what year and I can't remember what, remember what race but I ended up winning it I think and I uh, and I was wearing a t-shirt and uh and then one per and then one of my one of my friends Dave Reagan he replied he commented at one point saying uh, that's the fastest I've ever seen anyone anyone run wearing wear, wearing their PE kits <laughs> it looked like I'd come to, come to my school PE kit like I wore a t-shirt and shorts no vest like the number was sort of pinned in a cotton cotton on the front like it just looked utterly ridiculous it was a ridiculous look but it was quite funny and I think well, a lot that's of people brilliant. that actually yeah a lot uh, someone someone else on another podcast sort of comments commented on that but like uh, yeah I think there's been over the years I've had some questionable dress sense in races okay well uh, listen i'm expecting in in october if the great south run goes ahead for you to rock up in some like you know bermuda type bo- uh, boardies and stuff yeah please please well, do yeah <laughs> i do have a pair of board shorts and i do have a bermuda t-shirt actually i should say that's 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 that, that does actually bring us on something quite interesting we'll see with the um with some of the international competitions and um yeah so i was really pri- privileged to um to be invited to um for, to represent england at the bermuda triangle challenge um it was actually for, it was actually qualification was from great south run that year so i went with scott over on matt sharp okay. uh, and we had a really we had a really good time actually with those two uh and um so yeah so being representing england has been a huge privilege and obviously gb too i mean obviously men but many more england vests than gb because it's quite difficult to make the gb team for obvious reasons but um, yeah, I was keen to, keen to ask you about the GB stuff, actually, but 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 very very quickly before we shift off from 2017, you obviously that that was a that was a really good year for you because you you wrote that you run you were the Bucks cross cross com, cross country winner. Yeah, that that was that was that, that was the year that really tracked. That, that was the same year. Obviously, start it started with me 2017 winning the senior title for the um for the Hampshire Hampshire cross country. Uh, you know, so I never, I, even in my wildest dreams, I didn't know what would propel, what would take, propel me from that. So I went, had that, and then I went to Bermuda with the England team. Had a really nice okay. week in Bermuda. Um, finished third in a couple of races there. Made a little bit of prize money, which was really nice. And basically just sort of, you know, relaxed a little bit. Came back three weeks later and had another England international in um, Caceres in in Spain, just on the border of Portugal. And I finished third there. And you start to see a bit of a trend here because I'm because because it's uh, this this is my sort of my famous um, podium streak, where okay. I was, um, where I was literally every race I was doing I'd finish on a podium. Uh, so obviously counties was first, third place in the um, in Bermuda in the Bermuda race that, in, the, in the 10k, third place in the Bermuda half marathon the next day because it was obviously it was a challenge, it was a three day challenge, 
Um, wow. She's third in an international and actually beat sort of several Ethiopians, Kenyans in that race and Moroccans, which was ridiculous. You know, Amazing. it was a horrible course. It was muddy. It was boggy. And it was absolutely perfect for, for how I was running. Um, actually, no, that was after. No, so the, so the, the Bucks was actually a week week before that. So uh, that was Strauss to Bermuda. But the confidence, the confidence I was running with after that was just incredible and I actually had a bit of an injury but it didn't uh which sort of took a few days to heal in the weeks before that but it made absolutely no difference because I went to Bucks cross and I won that mm. um, which you know really put me on the put me on the map in fact in fact I literally just put, looked up in the top corner of my Skype and it's actually actually that's the cover that's the profile that's the thumbnail for my for my photo for my oh, really me crossing the Bucks Bucks finishing line first and that really put me on the map that was my first sort of national national title really I mean I know it's Bucks it was obviously only university but the standard of that thing is so strong and some of the guys I've been big race yeah you know, it's huge 20, yeah. 29 29 dead uh, 10k runners you know there's some there's some really really good good athletes I beat there which you know so that was that was, that was amazing for me and um and I only got better from there you know, I went obviously went to Caceres finished thirds uh, I had the national cross where I finished seconds. Uh, there was some people think I might have even won that because I actually fell over in the last 400 meters because it was it was at Nottingham and again it was those it was that year when it just seemed to just constantly rain and mm-hmm. the conditions were just dreadful. It was just bog, boggy and muddy. And it took us in a little bit at the end and I actually tripped because it was because I just well, hadn't hadn't, hadn't uh, learned the course again. That's that's a big lesson. Make sure you learn the course. Um, yeah. uh, ben Connor was sort of won by about 10 seconds. I think he was easing back, but even, but I think I would have run him quite close if I hadn't, if I hadn't tripped. Uh, so yeah, that's wow. the start of this great rival I had with Ben Connor, who I like to consider. I don't think I've beaten him, but like I've been so close on so many occasions. And Ben, ben Connor's track record speaks for itself. You know, it does, yeah. 12 on the all time list of half marathon, con- multiple GB representative. He's going to go to the Olympics, I think. You know, it's, you know he's a brilliant athlete, and you know to be even sort of consider himself in the same in, in the same sort of limelight as him is just, you know, amazing really. But um, yeah, you, must, you, must, you must often have to have to almost pinch yourself sometimes. Oh, right. like, okay. Yeah, I mean yeah. You, you just need to look at the when I got my first GB vest and I beat three Olympians. I beat I beat Andy Vernon, I beat Andy Butchart, and and uh, I beat Tom Lancashire. All three have been to the Olympics, and obviously mm. you have to look at um and obviously Darry Griffiths as well. I beat and he's you know he's a two ten marathoner. Um. But yeah, obviously, um, Andy Butchart finished the fifth at the Olympic Games. Tells you everything you need to know. I mean, obviously, cross country isn't his thing, but you know, I, oh, I was pinching myself after that race. It's like, did that really yeah. happen? So yeah, so you know, yeah. one of the one of the scouts. But um, but where were? Yeah, so that that streak in 2017 was amazing. So I had to finish second at the National Cross, so close to to to, to, to winning, and then finished second behind Andy Vernon at the um the inter counties as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually that led on to something oh, on, a really, on a bit of disappointment actually obviously the um that was the year that they didn't the, the only year to date where gb haven't sent a team to the world cross i think i remember that actually happening i Which think i remember a few podcasts talking about it yeah because i would have i felt like i would have been you know one of the people to have gone on that gone based on that for that form i'd had on the cross in the run-up to yeah. it i would have been one of the, one of the candidates when you, you'd think um, so that was really gutting. But you know, one of the one of the nice things about what came from that is that the whole running community really um, came around me and sort of really supported me and sort of you know they sort of they sp- I didn't need to say anything because everyone everyone fought my battle for me really there really saying how much of a how disappointing it was for people like me and you know why what what were the reasons behind it and again I'm sure it came down to sort of money more than anything else but you know you know it wasn't for me it's not for me to really say. 
because I mean, obviously it's not me putting my hand in my pocket in the pocket. But you know, I was for, for personally that was disappointing that I wasn't given the opportunity to do that. But that but that drove me, and you know, come November time, that was when I had my that absolute blinding race to get my first GB vest uh, for European Cross. So it didn't take me long to actually sort of make amends, yeah. make, to, to right those wrongs, really. You know, that and that sort of that put a lot of demons to bed, really. I think. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask quickly, um, obviously for somebody who, who's like, you know, so far away from the world of, of Team GB vests and stuff, what, what does it feel like getting your getting your first Team GB vest and how how does it work? Do you get like a phone call from like a, a, a strange sounding man or do you get do you get visited by men in suits or something or, or you know, how, well, how does it all work? Well enough, yeah, it's the former. It's a, it's a call from a, from a strange sounding man. Uh, and in okay. this case, I had to... I had to he had to explain that it was actually, in fact, Mick Woods, who's the um, the older shot coach and also the GB coordinator at the time, to explain to me. I mean, the thing was, it wasn't as much of a surprise. I mean, the fact that GB have a set of selection criteria for a lot of these races, and um, you know, it's um, they say that for, for that for that race, it was you had to finish top four in the trials to be guaranteed selection, and obviously I finished second in the trials. So, um, to be honest, the fact that I knew that the fact that I'd done that meant that they didn't really there wasn't really many. It wasn't really a condition where they couldn't select, but obviously, you know, you're, you're still, you're still a little bit nervous and a little bit tense, mm. so waiting to hear whether you've done, whether, whether it was all waiting for it to be official, waiting for that sort of team announcement from TVGB to sort of pop up on Facebook, Twitter, and all that. Um, so yeah, so I got I got a call from a, from a strange man called called Mick Woods, um, who sort of told me about it, and obviously that was that was the that was the moment really. Uh, yeah, say so that was that was you know, and, but, and in terms of the spirit experience and how that how that felt, there was there's literally nothing I can I, I can't make a comparison to anything else ever in in anything. You know, all yeah. the things you do in life obviously have an impact on you, but like that feeling, uh, you know, I'll, I'll remember it and for every day of my life, really. You know, that sort of boyhood dream of sort of representing GB, and I thought uh, for so many years I thought it's not possible. I just can't. I'm not good enough. You know, there's so many things. I sort of resigned myself that it's never going to happen. And then this yeah. opportunity came along. And I thought, I'm going to work for it and see what I can do. And all, and all those months of training and everything I put into it, you know, it came off. And, you know, it's just, it's just it's, I can't even, I can't even draw a comparison. That's how much, that's how much it yeah. felt yeah. like. So much hard. It's my, it's my moon moment. It's my, it's my moon moment. Man, man on the moon moment, kind of. Fantastic. That's absolutely brilliant. And, and like, Obviously, that, that leads me into the next thing I was going to ask was obviously the in, like, your inspiration through the years and stuff. Um, you, you'd mentioned that your first kind of like real massive inspiration was, was somebody called Michael East. Yes. Um, who'd been coached by Pat, Pat Butcher as well. Um, yeah. And obviously, there's, there's been so many people who have obviously inspired you through your running and stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, t- tell, tell us about, about the people who have kind of like helped you along through the years. Seems a good good point to say it. Yeah. Um, lots of people, in truth. As you say, I was, I was talking earlier about my grandpa, who uh, was very, very sporty, and he was really supporting of me. And um, I'm a parent too, but I mean, my, my uncle really related to me because he was particularly sporty himself. And, uh, and it was a bit sad that he um, he passed just before I got secured my first England vest. So he, he never saw me as, a, as an international. But I think I think he knew, really, that I was going, that I probably yeah. would have. I mean, that was that was a really nice moment as well, getting get my first England vest. But it wasn't quite the same as the GB vest because it's, you know, it's bigger isn't it you know what i mean um yeah he was he was always really supportive of me um he was and sort of something of, of an inspiration for me um and again sort of yeah my, michael east is a huge part of it and there's a really nice um moment in my earlier times when i was re- received an award from him and there's a really cute photo of me and him um and i sort of you know i, ch- I ch- cherish that actually. that's quite nice 
Um, yeah. So, and obviously seeing what he'd done by by Pat, you know, under Pat Pat's tutelage, was really inspiring. You know, it sort of shows that you know, you know, under you know, there are all those things that sort of sort of, if you if you do the right things, and certainly I was I was on the way, I was sort of almost following his footsteps really in a more literal sense than that. You know, he'd be running the track and I'd be running, and a few years later I I was running around with the same coach doing the same training, and you sort of you know, yeah. I didn't really believe it, but at the time you sort of start to think if you do the same things, just maybe it will happen. Um, so that was a really inspiring thing, obviously to be to be coached. But and, uh, and obviously be and obviously have some sort of experiences with him as well, and he was quite supportive in my younger years as well, which is quite nice. Um, yeah, fantastic. I think I, I did. I did. Sorry to interrupt. I did have to look him up as well because he was. Um, I didn't obviously looking him up on on Google. I found out that he was a 2002 Commonwealth 1500 meter champion. And yeah, Commonwealth champion. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. the big. That's probably one of his biggest races, biggest success stories, along with uh, a fifth at the Olympic Games in the 1500 as well, I believe. Okay, and I think the only British man to reach a track final at the 2004 Olympics, apparently in Athens. So, yes, there you go. Yeah, exactly. He's, um, it was that was really yeah. He he did some really amazing things. You don't you know, say his track, his sort of his um, record speaks for itself. And obviously yeah. Pat, you know, the, the athlete she's coached, is really inspiring as well. You know, and mm. the fact that she sort of, you know, she put up with, with me for so many years as well. You know, she she deserves a lot of credit for what I've done. Really. I mean, I know it's not on the same level as some of these guys, but you know, I did. I had my little my little moments in the sun, and I think Pat sure. deserves a lot of credit for that definitely. Yeah, I'm sure she's really proud of all of her all of her athletes. Really, wow, she she must uh, yeah, she probably, she yeah, must have she some incredible good. stories to tell. Yeah, she was very embracing of everyone. Really, you know, she'd take anyone sort of where uh, the matter of ability, and that's always a really real credit for a coach. Really, you know, she her group was very very was very very mixed. You know, different different abilities, different ages, different uh, obviously mixed mixed genders as well, which is quite nice. It just make it just makes makes the experience a bit more enjoyable, really, and the yeah. fact. You know, she was willing to talk, take people on like that. It's uh, it says it says a lot about her, which is really which is really nice. Yeah, fantastic. And and obviously also your your folks as well. You know, your family have supported you and your your friends oh. and all the all the nights out you've probably missed out on. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's sure. quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, missed, I don't even drink. I don't actually drink now. I mean, I I mean only for special occasions, and that's just one one of the many sacrifices involved. Yeah, I don't, mm. actually, I just need just just on, just the final point on Pat. Actually, she was uh, she actually received a uh, acknowledgement from the Queen for her services to athletics, and I was one of the people that sort of wrote in along with a lot of other people to sort of um, to recommend her for that award. She wasn't she didn't receive an a um a night a um a OB or anything, but um she she okay. she, she received sort of the next the next the next um honor, which was um so she got to go to Buckingham Palace Palace for for a um for a barbecue I think or something, which was really nice. Um, Lovely. People wrote in for, for that, and it's no less than she deserves, really. You know, that so many people wrote in to support her for that. But yeah, but but going back to my parents, you know, the number of sacrifices they made for me, it's not just about what I do. You know, I do a lot, but then, you know, the things that my parents have done over the years have just been, just been um, amazing for me, really. As I say, my, my mum used to meet me after school um, yep. with, with, with sandwiches, um, because basically because <laughs> I, um, I, I, I was training at seven o'clock in the evening. And I hadn't eaten since one. I, I, I'd be, I wouldn't train as well because I'd be, obviously, I'd be, um, uh, I'd be hungry essentially. And yeah. so, uh, so having, having those sorts of things. I mean, the states, you know, she, she'd pick me up every day and take me home so I can get my homework done. 
and everything and she shot and they'd ferry me to races all over the country and sometimes and even now they, they still do you know obviously they were there they came all the way to Slovakia for my for my um for my GB outing which was and you know loads all the other sort of places they do I mean I mean I'm not I'm not gonna lie I'm sure I'm, I imagine they probably enjoy enjoy some see it as something as a holiday themselves but obviously you know yeah do it so it's uh and obviously having having somebody there you know that sort of um that ever ever present sort of support from them it's just um that's mm. uh, really that's really inspiring as well and it's yeah it's i'm really it's important with them for that. yeah it's important it's, it's important to mention them as well as inspiring because uh, like you say like it is although it's a holiday they're there for you and uh, you know they're there and it probably makes it like a big a big bit of difference emotionally and yeah. uh, you know for your own support and stuff so oh, it's good, and it's good to acknowledge them yeah, and it's a big part of settling the nerves, really. As you say, um, you know, performing, competing for GB abroad is no easy feat, particularly when I started, I was a bit nervous. But having somebody there to, who you're familiar with and sort of you can sort of go over is, um, is really, ni- really nice to sort of settle the nerves, really, and sort of, and I really thrived from that, really, you know, coming through sort of various, all the various England internationals and sort of now, now I suppose I'm getting I'm a little bit older in my career. I'm sort of seen as sort of more of a senior member of the group and can sort of help out, help out others. But certainly... It wasn't I wasn't like that for all the time and as a youngster it was quite helpful to have the parents there to support me in those in those um in those outings even though she was even though they weren't actually there obviously I had they had the independence of sort of being on my own in hotel rooms and things with the England team but they'd sort of come to the race support me yeah. and sort of do their own thing which is quite which is nice that's good Alex, moving on to like uh, obviously we're kind of coming 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 to a close a close-ish of the uh, of the of the podcast and stuff. But uh, I want before before we kind of move to the end, I, I wanted to ask you a bit about kind of current times and your decision. Uh, obviously, ha- having run for City of Portsmouth for so long to switch to Southampton Athletics Club. Yeah, so there's, um, there's, there's still a few things we haven't really discussed. Yeah, the, the Portsmouth decision was um, was was not an easy one. Um, I'd been say when I started at Portsmouth in 2000 and I stayed right up until 2018 I believe was my final year with them and I think my I think victory five would have been my my last race for them a couple of years back um that was a really difficult decision um but it, and it's based on quite a few factors I mean obviously I've been I've grown very close to Southampton I've been part of my university um being at university there for well, well now is eight years but at the time it would have been would have been about six years and uh, knowing knowing all my training group and they've been really supportive of of me um yep. And so there was that. There was that. Uh, but the, I think the main thing was the um, there was there was a few sort of things we sort of disagreed with. Really, uh, some one one of the things was high competition, uh, which is a um, which is a concept where if you're so the British league is it's onto onto another division. There's, there's far too many in athletics. In my <laughs> yeah. That's good. You're explaining them well. Thanks. Yeah. The um, the track. So the, in the cross country, there's the Hampshire Leagues. Um, that's that's something you do in the winter. And some of there's the track races. And the British Athletics League is the sort of one of the main divisions for track for club track athletes. Um, it's mm-hmm. not for everyone. I, mean, I say that only because there's only there's only two per event. So obviously the best athletes from each club compete in each event. So so it's um it's not like a not like a mass participation thing like cross country where anyone can do. Um, but the thing is a big part of that for me it was a big part of my um running career. And until then, Portsmouth. Uh, so essentially, there was a bit of a bit of a rule where, if your if your first claim club, which has always been Portsmouth, had always been is is not a member of a league, then you can compete for another league instead. And obviously, I picked one. I picked at the time I was competing for Basingstoke because I'd been approached by them many years ago and um, and asked if I could compete for them, and that gave me a really high standard of competition. And at the time, it was pivotal in me sort of developing as an athlete and getting quicker. 
yeah. the ability to have high standard races because you know it's um there's not that many of that sort of, that sort of age really um so um yeah so uh Portsmouth made a decision a controversial decision really to um to make an application for the British League which um which didn't sit very well with me and sort of some other athletes because it meant that anyone who was high claiming couldn't do that anymore and the trouble is if you join you um you compete you start at the bottom division there's five divisions in the British Athletics League and obviously the higher ones obviously have higher high standard competition so if you end up in the bottom one the standards generally quite, okay. quite isn't quite isn't particularly high um so it meant and it means you're hamstrung into doing it and the trouble was by agreeing to do it they sort of they didn't really understand the implications of what it meant because to do well in the league you have to have you have to get really good turnout in all the events and that puts a lot of pressure on the on the athletes who were there and they didn't really say like okay we're gonna compete for the british league are you happy to sort of start to have to have to go out turn out for five events a year or four events a year and do two three even four events per night day which you know as an elite athlete when you when you've got a, a, when you got so, when, you, when you got an already very cluttered fixtures list of of like counties and national events and um, BMC matches, which are designed for fast times, having an extra four to do, and you and, and basically running yourself into the ground by doing so many events is a real burden, essentially. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. And you sort of and that decision was sort of made without the without sort of thought for, for the athletes' concerns, in my opinion. And I certainly I was never asked about it. But even despite that, I sort of stuck with them for a couple of years in the hope that you know if, if I did a couple of events and turned out, then we'd be. Um, we'd hopefully get promoted and sort of start to climb the ladder and start, start to get higher standards of competition. But essentially, uh, that wasn't to be in sort of, you know, as I say, we were clearly out of our depth at the time. We, when we, I don't think we, they still haven't received quali- promotions since then, so they're still in, the, in that division. But when I expressed, when I expressed the decision after a couple of years and saying, look, this isn't really working out, I think we should sort of withdraw. Seeing as we're in the bottom division anyway, we can just got to come back out because we're underprepared because we're not, okay. we're not, we're not we're not sort of doing ourselves justices. We can we've still still got other competition as we always did, and then we can sort of take stock and get some more athletes so that we can, um, you know, with a, with a, with a stronger force, we can go back into the division with more numbers and be more competitive and hopefully gain promotion, which yeah for me sounds quite seemed like a sensible suggestion. So I put that forward, and it wasn't the fact that they said no to that; it was the fact that they said. There are other athletes who are better than yourself who also compete, and they sort of named a couple of names of other athletes who also compete in their division. Yeah, better than you. So and so, what? Why? Why are you making this decision to not to, to not want to do this? And okay. right. and that was a real sting in the teeth because it just made me feel completely appreciated. And I'm not going to say who said that, but like it's, you know, that was that was quite hurtful. I mean, obviously, I, 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 I'm I don't like I don't like to sort of. Um, brag about what I've done really and things but like it's um mm-hmm. you know I have I have ambitions and to be and sort of to sort of be put down in that way after a lot of the sacrifices which I'd already made for the club I've been two years doing doing what I said I wouldn't I wouldn't be happy about doing in order to try and sort of get get us up the divisions and so that was a real slap in the yeah. face and that and along with another reasons I mean to say my pat uh, my coach had uh, was um sort of made something of a scapegoat for all the sort of club's failings to an extent, really. So they, didn't, they disliked her sort of the manner by which she was, um, by which they, her, she, the, she, they, she, she declared her entries for races and things, which, you know, actually for me, actually made a lot of sense. But if people, but people sort of, you know, when people sort of make a conception about something in their head, it's very difficult to change their mind. And yeah, that doesn't happen. 
So um, and sort of the fact that they were making Pat a, a, a bit of a scapegoat for a lot of things, which you know she she didn't she didn't deserve any of it really. Uh, so that, that along with another reason sort of made was for me made was you know I decided that was enough, and yeah. I didn't want to be part of that sort of collaboration anymore. I mean I'm pleased to say actually things that a lot of things have really changed um, and things seem to be a lot better. And I'm not and I wouldn't rule out sort of going back, but obviously Southampton yeah. are really warm for me, and obviously it was really humbling. Uh, on my first GUS, they actually um, they actually gave me a signed um, photograph. So well, they made me sign it, which is a, which is a little bit awkward because <laughs> I, mean, I didn't really think think myself as a celebrity as such. <laughs> but they made me sign a, sign a photo, uh, and then they gave me a sign a framed um, picture of my first GUS, which you know is hung really proudly on my wall. Um, yeah, and that and that, and obviously along with a lifetime membership as well, which was really which is really sweet. So. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm sort of that sort of my my sort of my, my my family now, my running family, that and the training group I have in Southampton. But yeah, okay. it's a difficult decision, but there was a lot of reasons behind it, which okay. uh, right. dust has said. I sort of that's the sort of first time I've put, put openly talked about it. So um, I'm hoping yeah. not too much offence by by that, and at least they can understand the thought process by what was going on, really. Yeah, uh, not not at all. You know, you haven't you haven't kind of like slandered anybody in particular or anything like that. And it's and it's part of your story, you know. I mean, yeah. and you also, you know, I can't imagine what it must have been like being in that situation where oh, you know you've got kind of loyalties to the club and you've run with them for ages and you know, but you made the the right decision for yourself as a runner and you needed that that high level of competition and yeah. And and you also you, you're you're studying at, at um, Southampton as well, are you? Yes, that's right. So my, so my PhD is um, yeah, so the University of Southampton is um. I carried on from my undergraduate there, and I'm training with the um, my my new, I haven't really even discussed my new coach. So obviously, I, there was another difficult decision to leave Pat, but obviously that was that wasn't that wasn't there wasn't any sort of ill feelings there whatsoever. It was more the fact that I'd sort of moved to Southampton, and yeah. it was difficult for me to coach to be coached on distance. And there was a, there was a good training group there in with Rod Locke as the coach there, and he's again his track record speaks for itself. He's one of the BMC coaches. He tra- he coached Angus McLean, who um who'd been sort of multiple European world championships and things. Um, he was a, he was a brilliant coach and he, and uh, I was sort of strongly encouraged to sort of go there by, and by viewing the sort of training group. And I haven't really looked back from that. There, it's, um, so that's, um, but that, there was no real Ill, Ill feelings with that. And obviously I still contacted Pat and still sort of sought her advice on a lot of aspects. She doesn't coach now, but obviously, um, yeah, she, yeah. so there was, there was, a, there was, that was a much more peaceful transition there. Um, but okay. yeah, um, but the, but the, you know, so I'm quite happy. With, I'm happy with my training group, and I'm, I'm happy to have Rod as my coach as well. He's done some really, he's, he's really looked after me, and, done, and we've done some really good things together. Brilliant. And he's, and I think, I think I've heard, I've heard the Rod Squad mentioned before as well as a, as a group that, as, as his yeah. group, the training. I think he's known as, it's known as the Rod Squad. Yeah, the Rod Squad. We are. Oh, okay. I think, yeah, it's, it's nice. Uh, I think we, you know, we do, we do try and make, make the claim of being the best South group, South Coast training group. In terms of um, yeah. in terms of some of our results, um, you know, I, I, obviously we're not training, we're not racing much at the moment, but we've all have sort of we've all have individual successes. Um, Laura and my training groups um, received her first England vest in um, February in Almar, which is really which is fantastic for her. It's no less than she deserves. It's been a long time coming, really. Um, Johnny, Congratulations, Laura. <laughs> hey? Yeah, no, well, congratulations, done. Laura. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Johnny Roberts, uh, he's been to British champs. Uh, a couple of times for the 1500 which is again it's again people will tell you that's no easy feat you need to qualify standards it's uh and obviously it's um it's, it's on it's on bridge it's on bbc every year at the um the alexander stadium uh, and try, not this year actually obviously they're they're redeveloping the um, alexander stadium for the commonwealth but um 
so it would be in Manchester this year, but he's he's been there a couple of times, I believe, or at least once. So it's um, so that's you know we we do have sort of some some really good people in the training group. Um, obviously Matt Rep, Matt Revier, uh, Hib, Matt Hibbers, um, you know, there's lots lots of other people with all their own sort of little stories and good. things. But yeah. you know, we we work quite well together, and we have sort of a yeah we have a sort of a good good um good collaboration there really. And it's Fantastic. obviously great to have, that, to have a group to train train and push push each other with. Yeah, it sounds like a good decision you made, and it sounds like you've got a good good bunch of people and a good coach working with you now. So, um, mm. yeah, it sounds like it's all it's all going to work out very well. And um, you you also I mentioned that you get like a little bit of help as well, um, financially and with the Portsmouth University in particular. Uh, yes. And I think you you work with a with another runner in the Portsmouth area who I know just through the running circles, Danny White as well. He's another good runner. Yes. Um, you you get used to uh, well you get to use some of the um the really kind of like good equipment they've got at Portsmouth University in one of their labs. Yeah. So, I... so so Portsmouth Uni don't 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 finance me. The Southampton Uni give me a uh, benefit from the okay. from the Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. That's alright. But I get I get access to the um, gym facilities and they have a strength and conditioning coach called uh, Chris Zedlack. He's uh he's really he's really good and he does he set me a really really good strength and conditioning routine and and I get basically get empty gym to myself which is really really nice as well. Um, but yeah, with Portsmouth Uni, uh, I, I collaborate with um, Danny White and Joe Corbett. So Danny, Danny particularly is running a study um, for me. I think I don't know. I, I don't know how many other runners he's testing, but it's sort of part of his sort of CPD, I think, or, or, or a training model he's doing. But he's I'm a sort of his, I'm, I'm his ongoing lab rat essentially. So I so he, <laughs> he tests me, and um, so I, I benefit because obviously the data I get from it is really really helpful. And for him, yeah. it's, it's part of a, cont- a continued study into a sort of a, I suppose he's considered an elite athlete I, I mean it's not for me to say but um but from, yeah exactly so um the ability to have that testing and uh, Joe and Dr Joe Corbett as well I should give, give his formal title as well uh is obviously whenever he's around I chat with him and he's really really knowledgeable about marathon and all sorts of training he's actually one of the fastest v40 marathoners in the country I think I think he went he got right. England first and he went to London I think he ran two can't remember how fast it was but like it was quick like two sub 230 easily i think it was for a marathon which at 40 is you know really impressive um yeah so um wow. so these guys at the Portsmouth of the union are really helpful for me with the performance testing and i think i wrote recently wrote a study in a, a, a article in athletics weekly about some of the testing i've done with them which uh you know okay right. interesting for some of them some of the listeners if they i don't know i don't know where it'll be available online fairly soon i think there's the same okay. There's a couple of months delay between it, but it's, it was, it was, that was done last month. Well, it was published last month. So, yeah. And in fact, it might be a good good opportunity now. You know, before we kind of get to our close, um, to say where people can follow you and stuff. Are you, you're on social media channels and Strava and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't use mass. I don't use them in massive, huge, huge amounts. Uh, obviously, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I. Yeah, that's. I mean, obviously, I occasionally post race results, really, but the easiest way is to contact. I mean, I feature in Athletics Weekly either in results if I've done well, or like I'll be. I sort of publish articles. I'm actually a contributor for the for the magazine, okay. which is uh, really flattering. Actually, they they approached me and asked if I wanted to write for them, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. Everyone's heard of, a, of AW. It's amazing. So um, I'm really pleased to be involved with that. Uh, and so yeah, as they um. I do a little bit of um of these sort of thing. I sort of come and go on the occasional podcast and things. And um, I used to have a blog which I haven't written in a while because that's sort of the the Athletics Weekly sort of replaced that sort mm. of thing. Really. But I mean, yeah, newspapers, articles, radio shows, um, yeah. you know, and obviously the East Junior Park Run where we uh where where you we we first met where you you introduced introduced me yes. to that. So I um, I'm occasionally down there 
if I'm doing a long run, I'll come and say hi, and, some, and sometimes I'll I'll um I'll volunteer at that, which is which I always really enjoy actually. Yeah, I think the kid the kids really enjoyed that blizzard. You know, obviously you you came down in your in your GB tracksuit and and brought one of your medals and stuff, and the kids absolutely oh, had a ball that day. We got, I love that. We got yeah. some lovely photos from it. Yeah, I did something quite recently actually in that respect. I I went to the um I was obviously involved with scouts for many many years, uh, and I actually went down to the scout cross country to do to do a very similar thing. So I, I, I really enjoy those sorts of outreach things. If it wasn't obvious, so like yeah, I say it's um I do occasionally those. So so yeah, you can find me at some of those from time to time as well. Brilliant, fantastic. Well, um, I, I I'm not going to keep you much longer. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of bring it to a close there but i do um ask uh, a few kind of what i call recovery run questions for my guests alex and it's just a, yeah. a kind of like getting getting to know you a few quick fire questions so if that's okay we can uh, we can call it there but yeah it's been an absolute pleasure um speaking to you and, yeah, and listening to your story i mean like i say we it's i guess it's nice for you as well to kind of like you know re- recapture in your mind in in some kind of order of what's happened but you've obviously been through so much and you've like like I said earlier, so many sacrifices, so much hard work, and so many ups and downs as well. And I know, like running, you know, although you've 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 had like lots of success with it, it's not always successful, is it? I mean, you've had ups and downs and things. And yeah, it's just been just been a fascinating story to listen to. Um, but yeah, moving on to the recovery run questions, uh, I'll start by asking you what your favourite running route is around Portsmouth. Oh well, I, I got a, uh, a little bit of a specific one, which I don't even know why. It's uh, it's just something I've. I mean, and I'm, I'm actually sort of a bit of a creature of habit. Uh, so I'll start from my house, uh, and I'll, mm-hmm. which is uh, close near St Ronan's Road. Let's say that. So, uh, so but you'll see on Strava anyway. So I go out yeah. to Simon's Church, uh, towards the co- the edge of the common, uh, come in via the Jolly Sailor, and then go up the um, the south, the north part of Southie Common. Uh, past where you up, up to the um, to the cathedral where you saw me turn left, um, go yep. out the go out along the seafront seafront back there through the um, the amusement park, um, back down the south part of the um, the common, and I normally do a couple of laps of that, uh, and then uh, and then sort of cross the roads, go down sort of somewhere down the promenade, part up to the golf course, and then come back um, come back via the, um, Canoe Lake back to, back to okay. where I that's sort of one of the most common routes. And then my long, my longer run, I'll tend to sort of go out uh, and then go and go all the way along the um, to Farlington and, and into Hailing Island before coming back. And I can sort of and I run up to about 23 miles doing that, something like that. Okay, brilliant. It's not. I, I like that. That's why I asked that question because so many people have different different routes they enjoy. And obviously, South Sea Seafront comes up quite quite a bit as everyone's favorites but it's just nice i like to know these little habits that people have like with their favorite little portions of running around portsmouth and stuff so thanks for that what's your what's your favorite distance to race oh um that's a really difficult one um it's i mean i obviously i've got the marathon coming up which i feel like i'm actually in terms of the training for that i really enjoy doing the training for that and i feel like that's probably the most enjoyable race um I think half marathon is probably my probably one of my favourite distances because I feel like I, I feel like I do quite well and I, I'm still waiting to I feel like my time could come down in that respect. 10k I really struggle with for some reason apart from my um the the Leeds Abbey Dash which was declared 23 meters too short where I actually where I knocked out of the park and broke 28 29. Um, at that obviously that time wasn't valid but apart from that I've never been able to excel at that. Um, okay. It really is going to be at the moment. It's going to be half marathon, but I think um, okay. the I think the marathon is going to be the one that I think it's going to be the one really. 
half half marathon for now marathon marathon uh, later on maybe marathon pending yeah yeah um for in in your in your experience what would you say is the hardest race distance that you've that you've experienced uh, probably as a result probably based on that uh, i'd say the 3k it's really really it's, okay. i think it's possibly 800 but then again i'm really not an 800 meter runner so i don't do many of them but like the 3k i think is really it's a really difficult event if, you, if, you, if you've ever had spoke to a middle distance runner about trying to do it it's it requires absolute commitment like it's um in terms of the meta metabolically i think it's probably one of the diff- most difficult disciplines because um it requires 100 okay. vo2 max which is um so it's a concept where you are your your intake is maximal. So um your breathing is high, your oxygen delivery is as high as it can be, and literally it's the most gut busting eight minutes of your life basically. I think for, cool. for the fast fast ones among us anyway. Does does not sound fun. It no. does, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um Alex, what's your favorite post uh, post race kind of like routine meal or drink? Something something that you save for yourself in the fridge. For me, it's a Coke. What's yours? <laughs> um, well, massage aside, um, I, norm- I, I normally try and just keep it really simple. Something like milk. So okay. it's actually a really good recovery drink because it's got the uh, it's got what well, it's got scientifically one of the best ratios of carbohydrate to protein. Which I know okay. sounds really dull. I can seem somehow make something like that even, even sound dull, but like it's um, <laughs> it's uh, it's really convenient. It's quite cheap, so that's that's, that's, that's milk. Milk does it for me. Milk it is. That's good. Can you share uh, a funny or embarrassing running experience that you've had, like either training or racing? Um. Oh gosh. Um. The Stanley Matthews shorts come to mind. Um. <laughs> Oh please! I've got, uh, I've got to see these shorts. I've got. I have to see. You're gonna to have to. The photo you send me is gonna to have to be a pair. Of, a pair of those shorts. <laughs> oh, I don't think. I, I don't think I have a pair. Um. Yeah. Um. If you think of something, if you think of something before the end, let me know. But yeah, I'll, I'll move on to. I'll move on to the next one. Um. What What has been your biggest running achievement so far? Oh, it has to be my GB vest. Really, there's nothing. I mean, the, uh, the 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 bucks the bucks win was um sort of comes to mind, sort of possibly, but no, it's to be honest that that race that that race I absolutely killed it at the trials to make the GUS. That's that's got to be the one. Awesome. Um, and finally, uh, a piece of running advice uh, that you could offer like listeners out there who are training for for their own races later in the year. Any any bit of advice that kind of maybe sticks out in your mind? Oh gosh, uh, it depends. It depends who who my target audience is. So with with kids, being I think it's it's uh, there's, uh, there's so much advice I could give. Um, enjoy, make sure you're you're going to the sport willingly. Sort of say explore other sports before you make the decision. Um, mm. Keep it keep it interesting. You know, don't 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 get stuck in a rut with the training, really. But even I think that's Good. the same 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 applies to adults. Really, you just got to make sure, got to make sure it's interesting. You got to make sure otherwise it's and um and sort of if you're if you feel like you're struggling mix it up do park runs that sort of thing that that's always um i think they're quite i think they're quite enjoyable really and uh and i think i think communicate really i think the big part i've I've given hundreds of different bits of advice there but communicate you know the running community is probably one of the best out there i know i'm biased but like you know there's they're a really interesting bunch and you know Mm. this this sport is so much more than just competing it's um it's about um yeah obviously sharing your um your community about sharing sort of so many things with uh with the athletics community yes yeah uh, that's one one of my one of my most enjoyable parts of it really 
I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased you said that because obviously I was going to end this by, by asking you to say something nice about the running community, particularly in Portsmouth, which is what this podcast is all about. And, and I think you've just answered it really that and yeah. it's nice to hear from coming from somebody who competes at your level where things are a lot more serious and there's a, there's a lot more stakes, um, you know, going on and stuff. And it, it's nice to hear that because I, I feel that coming, mm. you know, predominantly as a trail runner myself or I do run on the roads as well yeah, I, I, I do follow your progress you've done some really some really good things as you say it's um, particularly the longer distances it's, it's, uh, it's quite interesting yeah cheers I mean it's, it's lovely I think like you say in particularly in Portsmouth there's just so much so much running going on and it's become such a big part of everyone's lives and you know you're all there sharing in the pain sharing in the enjoyment all crossing the same finish line it's it's just it's a real kind of bonding and really yeah I'm, I'm just really pleased to be a runner myself if, I can't remember count yeah. my, my lucky stars every day so oh, that's really good but so yeah. if, I, if Alex, I sort of inspired and sort of given and helped people on the way then I'm, I'm really pleased about that and uh and obviously you had um you had casey on law recently and she's you know hugely active in the sort of social community and she does some really good things with the good gym she says yeah, um, yeah. that's one of those many, that's one of millions of really good really good stories to have come out of running really absolutely and it's um yeah so there's you know it's, that's that's what running's got a lot going for it for sure sure long 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 may it uh, long may it last and i'm sure it will but alex this has been brilliant again thank you so so much for your time you can now uh stop listening to me asking you questions and (laughs) enjoy some sunshine yeah thank you you too and um yeah i'm sure we'll 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 catch up soon i'm sure we sure we shall indeed take yeah all the best alex thanks so much thanks thanks